Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Hello, welcome to our newest live stream. This is episode 197 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. And with me, as always, my live stream partner, Gwen. And Gwen Hello. is waving to those yep. of you on, that are just listening. That was a wave from right. Gwen. Yes. Good evening. Uh, but I do want to say that we were supposed to have a third person on, Jamie. And we were very excited about it. And Jamie's very excited about it. And guess what? Jamie is in the middle of a hailstorm in California and her internet is out and the phone is actually not reliable. So we've tried talking on the phone several times. We did get through one time, uh, but it's not reliable and not good enough to have her try to participate in any capacity right now. So Gwen and I are going to kind of wing it and be on our own. And then we're going to make this a little bit short and when Jamie has her internet back within the next couple of days, I'm going to just record just without anyone else listening, without it being a live stream, record that and then add that in to Thursday's podcast. So you'll have Gwen and I just for about a half an hour today and then probably another half an hour with Jamie and it'll all be rolled into one podcast and hopefully it will be lovely. <laughs> right. <laughs> it will. It will. So um, anyway, Although we were going to start by talking about Jamie and unhealthy coping strategies that she has dealt with, we will be doing that probably a little later on. So we'll be adding that to the end. Uh, but Gwen, why don't you start out by talking to us about some unhealthy coping strategies that you've heard people talk about? Right. I think the first thing I wanted to say is the reason that we do them is, first of all, their habits many times, right? They're comfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, if food was your friend before, food's your friend now. If alcohol was your lean-to, it's your lean-to now. So, you know, I think one of the things is that it's a comfort zone. It's a learned behavior. Yeah. But what I think kind of scares a lot of bereaved people is maybe um, shopping or overeating or oversleeping or alcohol was not their go-to before but they find themselves doing it now and they worry or um, become aware like, wow, I never used to do that. And now in my grief, I'm doing it. And I think I just want to acknowledge why we do that. And it's because we don't want to hurt, right? Yeah. We yeah, want exactly. anything to make us feel better. And I, I, it's just, if pain is here and I can somehow try to find a way to go over or under around mm -hmm. it's so much easier than through so we think yeah well and i think that's very interesting what you said about turning to what you've kind of turned to in the past because for me if i'm having a bad day let's go out for ice cream right right mm -hmm. that that'll make me feel a little bit better it's always been kind of that thing for me so i think i did that a little bit more in my grief it's not right. one that i 
I didn't turn to drinking alcohol really because I did that only very rarely, like when I was out to dinner with friends. And honestly, I probably drank less after Andy died because I never went out to dinner with friends right? because that's <laughs> the only time I was going to do it anyway. So it just didn't really, it wasn't really something that I thought about doing at home. I mean, I had plenty mm -hmm. of other bad habits. <laughs> Definitely yeah. eating was a bad habit mm -hmm. and my sleep was terrible and all of those types of things. But, you know, alcohol wasn't one for me, but I can see why it would be. It is. And yeah, there, there becomes a couple problems with it. I mean, you know, it does um, kind of just dull the pain at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're not here to talk about how alcoholism starts. But, you know, one of the things is, is no one ever plans for it to be a problem. It begins with the plan that it's just a temporary fix right now. And it's just something that makes me feel better. Um, but then many times after a crisis, people come out with another additional problem. Yeah. That I'm, you know, relying on alcohol too much. Um, but it is a way that we just think we can go around the pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. So Jamie is going to talk about her struggles mm -hmm. with alcohol and how that was a coping mechanism that she used and how she's not using that now. And I'll let her tell that story in a mm -hmm. bit. But it, it was kind of a theme that I got from just talking to some moms who were just talking about this upcoming episode. Mm -hmm. And, how, you know, I think I like I like the alcohol a little more than I used to. I turned to it a little more than I used to. After a day of work, it just seemed like an easier thing to do, to sit down with that glass of wine and to maybe listen to music that would make me sad and cry, right? It's mm -hmm. that is just seemed, you just can fall into a habit. So I had a few people talk to me about that. Another person wrote in saying, I just seem to like it more than I used to like it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the effects of it are appealing because if all day you are heightened to just all the stuff coming at you and something can dull that to the point that you just kind of go, oh, I, I feel a little more relaxed now. I feel a little, you know, um, yeah. our inhibitions are a little bit lowered. I, th I found a lot of people even during COVID um, turned to alcohol because mm -hmm. it was just kind of either... Um, uh, something to do factor or just distress relief. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and someone just wrote in now, I've never been a drinker at all. And now I wish I did. Yeah. I mean, I can, totally, I can see that. Yeah, and the other thing too. too is I don't think it's helpful when you look at TV and movies and something really terrible happens. What do they always do on TV? Pour the they glass. always get drunk. They mm -hmm. always go and they drink too much yeah. until they've almost passed out and whatever. I mean, that's what they show as being a normal response to something horrible happen mm -hmm. happening. And that's not, I mean, and, and they don't show it in like a good thing, but they show it in a, that's totally expected. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So I can see why she would write in and say, now I wish I did because yeah. that seems like that's like the thing that you should do. Like the well, normal thing. And if it is something that takes pain away, I can see why someone said, man, I wish I did drink because I'd like yeah, this pain. If it really us. worked. Right. Yeah. And that's what I meant. So we think when I said that, right, because exactly. I do think we have to talk about the fact that it, it only temporarily 
helps us avoid that pain, but it never really takes the pain away. We're just trying to, you know, circumvent our way around it and it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Oh, this is really interesting. Yeah. Somebody just wrote in, my husband and I made an agreement not to have alcohol in our house for the first year after our daughter was killed. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. But yeah. I, I mean, I think that was a great agreement. Oh. I, I, yeah. And then she wrote, oops. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I think that was that. I mean, that was really smart. Yeah. That was a smart decision to just make. And Jennifer, the, the person who wrote that in, that's a great segue to what I was going to say next, because we're talking about what not to do. And people are going to say, well, then what should I do? Because what we know is people who have an active an orientation towards how they're going to grieve, uh -huh. um, go through grief, not easy, but easier than people who just sit back and say, I'll just see what happens, right? Yeah. So part of that is that active goal oriented orient approach. Oriented, yeah. Yeah, oriented. That's the word. Thank you. I was having a mental block. <laughs> I know. I, I do with adding, words. Sometimes. Adding an extra syllable that you didn't need to add. Thank yes. you. Um, is that's what they did is they said, wait a minute, let's make this a part of our goals is to say, yeah we're not going to have this. And so that's kind of what we have to do. Mm -hmm. Just like a goal would be that that moves you closer to your grief is I'm going to go to my support group once a month, or I'm going to journal, or I'm going to stick yeah. with how I worship, even if I don't feel like it, or I'm going to make sure I'm, you know, so we do make a lot of good choices for ourselves, but it has to be an active decision. That that does sound very much like Eric and I, first of all, you know, on mm -hmm. the night that Andy died, I remember us saying to each other, this will not break us, right? This right. will not break apart yeah. our marriage. And we made that kind of vow to each other that day. And then again, with me, I was like, we're not missing one week of church ever. But I, mm -hmm. because I was so terrified that if I stopped going, I'd never go back. back. Yep. So I just like, like we can't miss. And yep. the one day I overslept and we missed that it was, you know, almost disaster for me because I was mm -hmm. so just panicked and freaked out that I would never go. Yeah. So that's what we do. We make decisions to say, well, I don't know what else I'm doing in this, but I'm going to do these few. And you don't have to do all the right things. No. I don't want someone to say, oh my goodness, I have to pick all those right things because none of us are perfect. No. But if you pick one like Jennifer and her husband did and you and Eric did to say, hey, we're going to do these few and this is what we know during this crazy time when our life has just been turned upside down, we're going to stick with some of these things that we know are good for us. Well, and that's what, you know, that very first week, what was the one thing I decided that I was going to do? And that was call you, Gwen. Oh, yeah. I was to call you and have that visit at Starlight that day because I didn't know what else to do. I was just, right. I had no idea what to do. And like, I just need somebody to help me figure out what the next best thing to do would be. And right. so that, that was then. And that is the difference be, in then just relying on maybe what some of our own comfort habits were right. to step outside of that and say, I've got to learn about this. I have to know what I'm doing in this. I need someone to guide me. I need all the information. And not every personality is like that. And sometimes no. we only learn that after years of poorly managed grief that we needed a little more information on how to do this better. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's a personality thing that drives us to do that. And sometimes like with you, you had someone who said that you trusted 
yeah. make this call and it was easier. Some people, they don't have anyone. They're just left figuring it out on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want yeah. people to beat themselves up because you were doing, you didn't even know what to do. Yeah. And then yeah. Jennifer just wrote back and your brain is in a fog and it's hard to think. Absolutely. Right. It's in a yeah. fog. You can't at all think. I mean, mm -hmm. every decision seems about impossible, right? Yeah. So of course you make decisions like thinking this, you know, for me, this bowl of ice cream seems like a really good idea, right? Right. Yes. Well, and, and I think too, just not, I, I, I know for me, I just felt like I didn't really want to take care of my body right now. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't want to like mm -hmm. death seems like not such a bad thing. So mm -hmm. You know, yeah. working out why, and why eating rice my life and all of this. Why, why lengthen it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Let's just let that it all go. Like a ridiculous thing to do. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. It doesn't make sense, but mm -hmm. in your brain, in the fogginess of your mind, it just yeah. doesn't seem like any of that is worth it. Is worth well, the effort. Yeah, and sometimes the gauge on how we know we're feeling better or making some steps um, in in a direction of, you know, healing or whatever word we want to use. I don't want to offend anyone. I mean, we never completely heal. I know that. No, no, um, yeah. But those steps is when we do start thinking like you did not too long ago, hey, I want to take a little better care of myself. I, right. I want to get this under control. So that is kind of something that people can look at and go, oh, I must be feeling better because I am thinking about yeah. these things now. But I, I think we've talked about alcohol and we've talked about eating, but I, you know, long before there was Amazon, I've been doing this for 36 years, there was QVC. And mm -hmm. some people still shop it, but I would go to homes and in the doorway, um, in the house was just um, boxes and boxes. And I remember yeah. one man whose wife had died said to me, um, it's the only thing that makes me feel good. And I've had other people who shop and shop and then go on a day and return everything because they couldn't afford what they had, but they got the good feeling of buying it. Oh, that's interesting. I, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of different things that people do um, in, in the buying and just if we surround ourselves or the other part is, um, you know, gifting you know, just buying for others and just kind of, I don't care about my own money or my own bills. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We got, we've got a few other comments written right. in here too. Just validated that I'm not crazy and that I don't care about living too. Yeah. Yeah. To I old age. Totally yeah. That. Yeah. To old age. I just, yeah. Yep. And, and then Cynthia wrote in, I feel guilty when I realized I started yes. doing things again. That's yes. absolutely true. A hundred percent. And then it's like, what I'm dishonoring or not being loyal or, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that's the part where I really think when we find a way to keep our child's memory alive, or we keep them in our family and conversations that then we have places for them. And it's okay that we have places where we are doing things for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, and uh, we had Demetra write obsessive shopping that would buy anything that reminded her of her daughter. Oh, Lenny. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. Absolutely. Um, okay. Oh, and yeah. then 
I, the other thing too, somebody wrote in the thing was trying to control everything because yes. she couldn't control things that had happened to her, their daughter. That's a really good one. I like that, that one a lot. Yep. And I feel that way too. Always wanting to be in control that mm -hmm. when you really want. Oh, yeah. now Robin just wrote in. I was excited to see Jamie join you ladies today because she's been joining Jamie in the angel mom circle. Great way to talk to other moms who are struggling after losing a child. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. Jamie's fitforlife.com. She's advertising for Jamie, but Jamie right. will be on um, when this is rebroadcast on Thursday. She will be on. This is only this awful uh, storm that is holding her out. Right. Today, so. Yeah. But anyway, back um, to that control thing. That is. A oh, it is. And, you know, when we can control our schedule, we can control what we do. We can control what we buy. We can. Um, whatever it is that gives us that sense of control because everything else was out of our control. Yeah. 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 I was going to write or read too. So um, someone had written in um, unhealthy coping mechanism that I have used in my whole life is being very busy in order to numb feelings that I'm afraid to feel. I also think that hanging on to mistrust of God is easier than choosing what I know to be true a lot of times. So both of those things I thought were really valuable on just, you know, thinking like, I just keep need to keep myself busy enough. And I hear that mm -hmm. a lot from people. Yes. Like, I just need to keep busy because you feel like when you're not, then your mind wanders all the thoughts to the yep. grief and which is what it needs to do, right? Your mm -hmm. mind goes there because it, it needs to go there. It needs to think through this and work through this. So if you get yourself so busy and so distracted, now you've just taken away some of the grief work that really has to happen. Yes. And a lot of people tell us to stay busy and they want us yes. to stay busy. So our friends might not know how to help us confront our grief, but they're sure darn good at distracting us from it. Like right. That's the one thing they've got really good. Like, oh, let's just keep them busy and let's keep their mind off of it. And yeah, let's um, do this. Let's do that. Let's, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I know I had a group of friends, I mean, which this wasn't a bad thing. They were always in communication with each other, which who was talking to me. Right. And, mm -hmm. and just making sure that I'm doing, you know, that I, I was doing something because mm -hmm. they didn't want me just sitting in bed and crying all day, which I get, and they were all worried about me, but there are times when you kind of do need to cry all day and that's well, okay we too. Do. And yeah. I think what we want to just really, and, and Jennifer said it here, and I say this all the time, our counselor always says, um, would tell her that she needed to feel the heal. She hated it, yeah. but it's true because the only feelings that don't heal, I always say are the ones that we hide. And so, um, we need to confront that pain. Um, oh, I had a thought was something you just said about friends keeping us busy. Um, but that that balance of having time to do the grief work and then it is okay if we distract ourselves but we have to make sure it's something we can afford it's something that our body can afford that's not harming our yeah. body and those types of things but um yeah, yeah. i had a thought but i it... well i want to move on and talk a little bit about that hanging on to the mistrust oh yeah in your faith i, I I had never thought of it in that way before because I definitely thought like I need to get my trust back. I've lost my trust. 
but I didn't think about it in the way of, no, I'm hanging on to my mistrust. I'm not, I'm not like, I haven't lost my trust. I'm hanging on to mistrust, which is totally, which is a different way of thinking about it because mm -hmm. I'm hanging on to this sense that I still want to be in control and not trust anymore. So mm -hmm. that's the thing to try to let go of. But it, in some ways, it's a coping strategy, right? Yeah. That I can control it. And mm -hmm. it's not it's me that's doing it and not just trusting that sometimes you can't. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think everything in grief is a process. Yeah. It is a learning process. It's a step-by-step. -step. There's no fell swoop way to grieve. There's no event. There's no button to click. There's no pill to take. These are, um, you know, small, when we're ready, times to confront our pain and allow ourselves some time to do the hard work of grief because um, nothing short of that helps us, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and Marcy just wrote in here again, what do you do when your friends shy away because they don't want to hear you talk about your child? You know, my first gut response was, Marcy, get what? <laughs> that's that was mine too. And <clears throat> which is so sad and so not easy to do, but it's sort of kind of they're not ends up having it. to be what you do. Yeah. I mean, why do I have my virtual support yeah. group of friends? Because but I can talk about Andy all the time to them. Right. I mean, there are yeah. people, Demetra is on the live stream right now. She's one that I can send her a message anytime and yeah. talk about Andy. And mm -hmm. she can send me a message anytime and talk about Eleni. And neither one of us are ever going to get tired of it. Right. And that's really important for us to have that for you. Yes. For her. And it yeah. is. I mean, that's the problem. I, there are friends that I have that I can't talk about Andy mm -hmm. and it makes me yeah. sad. And it also means that we're not the friends that we used to be. Right. It reminds me of a poem I use a lot at the holidays and it was written in the um, bereavement magazine years ago. And it's, um, you know, can I talk about them and not have you shy away from me? And so sometimes we have to yeah. say to our friends um, is, Hey, when you shy away from me, that, that makes I need you to be in there because sometimes they don't know, right? Yeah. And it's uncomfortableness. So we just have to maybe ask those questions. But now she says, that's what I need to do is find a friend like that. And we yeah. all do. Um, this is a great circle, as you mentioned, some of the, the virtual groups. And if moms just want to, I don't know where this person lives. I don't know anything about them. But you know, from some of your listeners, that just a few moms in a few areas just get together. Let's meet at the library. Yeah. Let's, even if it's just two people um, that meet and can just talk around those things, right? Yeah. Just talk about their kids. It doesn't have to be a huge group that's all super organized and has a curriculum. Just no. another soul that you can connect with that allows you to be where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and, one and I think I like what you said too about just um, saying, being kind of honest that yeah. I need to do that. You know, I, right. I need to be able to talk about, Andy. Yeah. I need to be able to talk about Eleni. I need to be able to talk about your, your child's name and just right. kind of say that. And if that makes you uncomfortable, okay, you can let me know. And then I can do that with someone else, but I, I need that. Right. And know? sometimes they don't know that you need that, but just saying, can you just not run away from me when I mention it, it makes me feel yeah. good and to talk about it. Well, it's interesting. Last week's guest 
had a really good friend that she like went to lunch with and was talking about her son. And then she seemed to like just disappear. And she found out months later she had moved. She would totally moved. Oh and she had no Lord. idea. And she ended up sending her a letter. And then she got a letter back like, yeah, yeah, I just really didn't know how to handle your grief. I couldn't. Right. Like. That's crazy we do have me. people that do walk away from us for sure. And then there's another thing. I mean, today we're talking about poor coping skills. So if your friends and your people shy away from you, no wonder why a glass of wine seems great. No wonder why yeah. a nice double scoop of mint chocolate chip ice cream, because they don't shy away. They're always yeah. there. They're waiting. <laughs> you can get another bowl if you want. Get another glass of wine. So that's really sad. It is really That's sad, but you're happens. right. It's always there. So yeah, it so seems more reliable than people. Yes. Because and obviously this... it ends up can lead to other issues. Right. This, it does. Like me gaining and, 35 pounds. Right. I mean, this, yeah. I, oh yeah. My college roommate that I, I gave, gained a lot of weight. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. Well, and I think um, for some of us, it's it's our entertainment too. It's we don't maybe yeah. do other activities. So going out to dinner is, um, yeah, it is sad that we do lose and gain some friends from this tragedy. And I just want to say because I don't just work with bereaved moms; I work with all types of losses. This is across the board. Mm -hmm. It's not just moms who maybe your other friends like think, oh, if it can happen to your child, it can happen to mine. It's the same way with a husband. It's the same way with other, you know, like, oh man, it's too close to me. And people lose friends all across the board. Yeah. It's very sad. Mm -hmm. Now, before you and I have to, you know, leave some space for, for you to add Jamie's um, story in today. Um, we had some listeners write in some really good, healthy things they do. Mm -hmm. And I think we mm -hmm. want to give some of those. I did want to, I want to read um, Carolyn who, wrote in with some grief do's and don'ts, which yeah. I thought were fantastic. Yeah. So we're going to do that first. So I'm going to do that. Grief do eat three, three square healthy meals daily, drink water, limit alcohol. Grief don't, don't forget to eat or eat too much. Don't drink alcohol in place of water or to relax or numb the pain. Grief do write in a grief journal and grateful journal, set time aside weekly for your grief, grief, be honest when you are overwhelmed by your grief and take steps to find a healthy path, be mindful of your feelings. Grief don't. Hold in your feelings. Avoid your feelings. Eat too much. Drink too much. Sleep less because you're overwhelmed and consumed by your grief. Grief do. Walk in nature. Collect rocks or wade in water. Exercise daily. Grief don't. Stay inside and avoid going outside. Grief do. Get your hair done. Take a leisurely bath. Pay attention to your clothing. Grief don't. Ignore washing daily. Let your hair go. Live in sweats. <laughs> grief do. Find a grief support group or books to help you understand your grief and help you on your journey. Grief don't. Rely on yourself with no new tools. Avoid mm -hmm. people like it's because it's too painful. I yeah. loved all of those. I those do. So, and you so know what good. I loved about it is because, you know, even the part about don't let your hair go, don't live in sweats, a lot and, and this is a whole nother topic, but grief and depression go hand in hand. They're like yes, what my mom sure. used to call kissing cousins. And so when we look at some ways that people um, rise above or, you know, um, overcome depression, we say, get outside, breathe, yeah, change yeah. your clothes, wash your hair. And so some of this really does help in our grief too, because grief and depression are very close. Now the grief, the depression that comes with grief is not the same as other types of depression. It's usually you know, dissipates over time, but 
it's there at the beginning, very strong. Yeah. It, it, yeah and it feels so much the same. So much the same. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and the other thing, we're not going to be able to talk about all of this because it's fantastic. But it is. I have got to tell you about going to a journeyforcaleb.org. So this is mm -hmm. written by my dear friend, Chrissy, who's been on the podcast twice, but she wrote in my ABCs of coping with and moving through trauma and grief, a journey through Caleb. And she went through the alphabet. A oh, through Z. It's so good. With, it's so, so incredibly good. So I just invite you. She wrote this back on February 9th, 9th 2021. So a long time ago. Um, but gosh, you have got to read this. But I wanted mm -hmm. to go over some of my favorites. Did you have some favorites that you wanted to talk about? I, I do have something I want to that she said yeah. before she got in the ABCs that I want. Yeah, even before about. that. Yeah, the first yeah. couple of paragraphs are even mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, well, mine is, is basically what she says at the very end is coping is a choice and a process. And I had said that earlier that again, we don't want the listeners to be so overwhelmed that they have to wake up tomorrow and do all these good things. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but it's a process. It's like, I'm going to chip away at this. I'm going to, you know, be 1% better. I'm going to just pick a couple things that I can work on that are good choices for me that I can control when everything else is out of control. And so I loved that, that it it's a choice. And so we can make a choice to not deal with our pain and go down the path of least resistance and do some unhealthy things, or we can make a choice and put that into something productive, like the ones she mentioned. So what are your favorites? So I've got some that I wanted to point out. One was G grieve and her saying grieve is a verb an action mm -hmm. an outward expression of inner pain. So I love thinking about that and reminding yourself that when you're grieving, it's a verb, it's something active that you are doing. So I feel like that's really important. And then Q was one that jumped out at me. I don't know if you remember what that one is. Question myself. Is this hurting me or helping me? Ah, that one was great. Mm -hmm. Because if you start asking yourself when you're doing something, is this really helping or is this hurting? And you can answer that question and go, Nope. I think it's helping. Okay. Let's keep doing uh -huh. it. Actually, uh -huh. I think this might be hurting me. Okay. Let's think about something that we could do instead. So I, I just love that. You know, I look uh -huh. like sometimes I'm able to just saying, sometimes I'm able to do it. So I look at a container of dirty clothes and say, I don't think I need to do this tonight. Is this helping me or hurting me? Like today, it's hurting me to do a load of laundry tomorrow. It might help me to do a load of laundry. So if you can start asking those questions before you do anything, just love that. Mm -hmm. Love, love, love that. Well, so anyway, I think honestly, every one of them I got something from, so I really would right. go through T was amazing too. Cause T is talk about Caleb. If you know me personally and we're <laughs> involved in each other's day to day life, you know that I talk about Caleb all the time. So talk about him. So that's another one that we had yeah. kind of touched on before, but they're, I mean, beautiful. and not only do her words and the suggestions, but she also gives some tools like P was for podcasts. So she mentions yours and another podcast. The C one was like, I'm um, a calming. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Calm so, uh -huh. I mean, I would just encourage everyone to look at them because there's 26 of them and they're, they're really good suggestions and just pick one. Cause you know, um, Kristen says here, make one thing a daily ritual and build on that. So I guess exactly. our challenge would be, 
you know, if you're looking at your coping skills and you're listening to this and you don't necessarily have ones that are particularly bad, but you want to hone in on good ones. Yeah. Read through yeah. these. Uh, they're yeah, so read through these. Yeah. So, and someone just asked again, it's, it's not a name of a book. This is just her blog. This is a journey right. for So this is just Chrissy's blog. And this was the blog post from February, 2021. So you can go all the way back to that. Right. Um, oh, and Chrissy's on. Yay, Chrissy. No, thank you. Uh, she says, thank, thank you. you. Cause that, yeah, she wrote, thank you. I no, Thank you, honey. Cause she sent me that today. Which, what a little God thing to send me that today because we lo lose Jamie to a storm <laughs> and now we're going to have to kind of flail around and get through because, you know, Jamie was the main, right. main topic today. And well, to have Chrissy write that in, I mean, wow, that was pretty helpful. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, because I feel like I say this a lot, but one of the things is that Jamie's going to put herself in a vulnerable spot to share, yeah. you know, some poor decisions and, and maybe some things that, that didn't help her. That takes a lot of bravery too, but yeah. just think, you know, all the people she's going to help. And so I'm so excited that she took that, that brave step and said, I'm it, willing to tell about my story. Right. Um, because I, I mean, not a lot of people were willing to do that. You know, we no. had a few people write in and we yeah. had some discussions around alcohol. Um, but it, it's, it's a vulnerable place to go to right. admit what kind yeah. of, that you well, didn't and, do the right things and, and then what the, you're doing now to try to change it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's my other thing that I feel like I say all the time, every one of your listeners are brave. And the reason I know they're brave is because they're still breathing and they're getting up every day yep. and living that day, knowing that that day has more pain in it. So we, we, everyone here is wearing some sense of bravery and I don't think they know that. And I just want to keep speaking that into their lives, that getting up and doing your best every day when it's another day of pain without your child. Yeah. Huge. And if that, if some of those days you're just in your sweats and you don't wash your hair. Okay. Exactly. But as long as, if you do it sometimes. Yeah. You're, you're breathing just, in you know? and out. Sometimes yeah. that's the biggest accomplishment. And I think we have to remember that too. That it's oh, not and so, so much. Chrissy wrote in on Facebook. If you go to the Facebook page, you can see the link. So she wrote in the comments her link, a journeyforcaleb.org slash my ABCs of coping. That's the actual blog post if you want to read them all, which I actually right. do recommend yeah. everybody read well, them. Well, I'm starting to think, man, I'm going to reach out to her and ask her permission. This is something I'd love to see as a handout that I can add to my packet of the materials that I give to people. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's really, really yeah. good. Well, we'll okay. see. She gives you permission there, Gwen. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to make sure to talk about? Because I do want to make sure that I yeah. give enough time to Jamie here. I do too. I do too. Because she's going to take that brave step. And I think the listeners will get a lot from that. All right. So now this is part two of the podcast. So now we are not on the part of the live stream, but I do have Jamie here, which is what we all wanted. And I so apologize for those of you who listened <laughs> live the other night and didn't get to hear Jamie, but she survived all the bad thunderstorms out in California and now has internet back and we can talk. Ah, he dies for for what happened. It was a, a hailstorm just came right in about an hour beforehand. I lost my my internet, and yeah, it was 
it was uh, unexpected, but uh, for some reason, God wanted it to happen today, I guess. Yeah, I guess beautiful so. Outside so I today. guess this is better <laughs> recorded and released um, the next day. So that's the way it's going to be. Exactly. So why don't you start out and just talk to us about what you wanted to talk about with coping? Because it's funny, we had this conversation mm. about you really wanting to come back on and share again and share some more. And when we started talking about what that might look like, it just fell into place and felt like the perfect thing to talk about mm. is ways that people mm-hmm. cope and ways that people cope that are bad and then turning those into ways that people can cope that are good. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it's a, boy, uh, well, words are important, aren't they? And bad versus good, that kind of gives my stomach a little bit of, um, well, that's true. That's true. um, Yeah. Butter, a butterfly, you know, well, because when I think back, it was bad, but it was adaptive, right? My, I was situation and it was maladaptive, not a good way to adapt, but I was numbing the heck out of myself after I lost my son. And so that turned into, uh, numbing everything. You know, when you numb yourself from the bad, you also numb yourself from the good. And I mean, we could go on and on about the, <laughs> the, the bad. I mean, but it uh, is a way of alcohol. coping, right? It is it, a way it, of it coping. Is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And I just, so I, what I wanted to share when we talked about healthy versus unhealthy coping strategies during grief, really, I, 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 I just want to set, throw this out there as kind of a uh, precursor to this talk. Um, and that's that, uh, we, I think we all recognize that there's no single one path to yes. um, grief recovery and, and for that matter, uh, addiction recovery or any type of recovery from some huge event in your life. And having said that, I found uh, that my current uh, lived grief, gr- sorry, lived grief recovery practice includes a, um, first of all, combination of a few things, my faith, first of all, secondly, my um, diving much deeper into all of the healing that comes from a regular yoga practice and meditation practice and uh, movement practice, because I feel that we need to recognize and be really curious about grief and how it's handled in our current culture and how we are, um, many people turn away. I, I listened to, of course, you, the recorded version of what you and Gwen talked about when I was <laughs> supposed to be there and, and many of your other podcasts and you and I have talked about this before about other people, uh, m- well-meaning people wanting mm-hmm. to help us through this, but yeah. they don't know what to say. Sometimes they go running away and we never see them again. <laughs> And that is another layer of this grief journey, right? And it's so huge. So coming from kind of a perspective of um, a new, a new quasi new griever, I'm two years in, you are five years this year, six, going on six years. It will be five in August. Okay. So just yep. around the corner. It will be five. Okay. Okay. I'm Andy, 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 and Judson, my son. So uh, this journey just changes and it, it rolls through different phases. And so I, I feel like I want to say three things to start this conversation, especially for those newer grievers who haven't 
um, really been able to find a, a, a path yet, maybe. And uh, grace, number one, number two, community, and number three is movement. And mm-hmm. each of those have underneath them so many little subheadings. But um, I will say grace, being gentle with yourself and not yes. blaming yourself and not getting down on yourself and feeling guilty and doing all the what ifs, because that just drives us crazy. Now in early grief, we are going to do that. And it's part of the process. And just to kind of um, push the pause button on that for a moment and kind of move over to the unhealthy coping skills that I mastered for almost a year um, in that I got up in the morning and cried and screamed and then drank and then drank some more and then drank some more. And then and, and so part of my grief recovery uh, feathered into also my recovery from using those maladaptive drinking um, mm-hmm. strategies, if you will, to numb myself. And so and, I... But exactly I, as you said, it does numb you, though. It does numb... Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had somebody write, write in on the podcast. I had never, I've never wanted to be a drinker, but after my son died, I wanted to be a drinker, right? Yeah. Because you feel like, well, that would numb it and it would. But as you said, I'm so glad you pointed this out. It not only numbs that, it numbs everything in your life. Mm-hmm. Every part of your life. It numbs, it. yes, it numbs the good as well. And uh, you know, in this case, my, you know, my drug of choice, my numbing agent was alcohol, which we all know is a depressant and you're already yeah. depressed right. and you're already down and all the things. And then I have, I have uh, really high anxiety as well. And so alcohol does not help that either. What does help is abstaining from uh, avoidance and alcohol meditation. And I, when I, you know, before we start, we hit record, Marcy, I was talking to you about like, I think the most important thing for someone who has never had a yoga or meditation practice is to start with baby steps and just start with one minute, just breathe two minutes, just breathe, (laughs) you know, and there are so many amazing online and in-person yoga classes and people trying to help that, um, that if you find your people and that's like, that's number two on my list is, is, is community. So kind of, I'm going to hop back and forth here, but going back to number two on my, on my grief, my lived grief recovery here is um, number one, being gentle with ourselves, And under that are all those things Two is community and find your people. This has been far. um, I, I can't even overstate the importance of finding community. And then once you find the community, then go and dive even deeper and drill down and find your, your, your people. Meaning that if your child died like mine by suicide and after I uh, really just suddenly spiraled downhill with depression and addiction, then I find that I can get even more from drilling down and finding those people and right. then, uh, you know, but still we have this shared with this huge shared grief of losing a child. And then underneath that huge umbrella, we can learn so much from everyone, but then underneath that umbrella are all the small little umbrellas of drilling down deep and going for it. you lost Andy to a horrific 
car accident. I, it, that it, I cannot imagine what you went through with all of the what ifs if we'd left five minutes earlier or five minutes later, or if that person had um, stopped their car and not run into the back of us. And I just, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, there are so many layers to each person's individual loss of their child that exactly. um, it, finding your people and finding people who can hear you because God love our family and our friends who try and pastors. I, if we have time, I will tell you in a little bit later a story of what a pastor told me how to grieve. And I'll tell you that later because still, I'm, I still have a lot of anger in me. All meaning people. I just, yeah. Thank you for trying, but, um, so it goes so, back to the grace again, right? I, it goes back I'm to the grace. I'm trying not to cuss on your show as well. I'm trying to be a lady and be full of grace for myself and others. Uh, and then again, the third piece of this is movement and really moving through, moving the trauma through our body. And, uh, I, I, I can't stress enough also that we moms and, and dads and siblings and friends, but we moms have experienced a trauma, a traumatic event. Yeah. This is so important to know and to understand. And this is where I have gotten really curious about, like I said, how our uh, society, how our cultures grieve. And within each of our grieving experiences and how we uh, cope either in healthy ways or unhealthy ways is totally determined on our family history, our layers of, of, of trauma that um, have maybe built up before that or after. And I, I feel that we are traumatized every single day that we remember it but it's a different layer. It's a different depth of trauma. And one day, then maybe the memory won't be traumatic. It'll just be, mm, ouch, you know, a little hurtful. Yeah. But I know for myself, I traumatized myself over and over by, because I found my son. Right. And so yeah, yeah. every time I have that, you know, close my eyes and have that vision of finding him. And, and so um, I, I have been, again, kind of uh, pausing right there and then going over to my recovery from alcohol is I, the first thing I did was try to find, and we had talked about this last time I was on your show, the um, fact that I started Googling, you know, how to get sober. And I found a sober yoga girl, Alex, and she's just amazing. She owns the mindful life practice. And I did a 30 day sober yoga challenge with her. And then I went to her retreat and I'm very blessed that I was able to do that. And some people are not able to do that. And I feel so much um, like writers bring it, bring it into their living room if, if possible. And you do this every day. And I just, I have so much love and respect for you. And you put your podcast by sort of by category, which I think is very helpful for grieving parents. They can kind of find their people. They can drill down and find their people and listen and then on this grief i mean this um journey which really sobriety a sobriety journey has a lot of grief in it as well because there are so many regrets and so many days that we lost while we were not yeah. present for ourselves for our grief and for our family and friends and everyone else i i will say that the second piece to my 
recovery journey from drinking too much to get over my son's death was a, I joined another online uh, sober sobriety uh, course and mm-hmm. it's through Cole Chance Yoga. She holds once a year an Emerge program. It's an eight-week intensive class that is uh, online lectures. Everything is live. So um, because she lives in Australia right now, she's actually from she's she's from the United States, but she holds this incredible just it she digs so deep into the what, why, how of addiction and recovery. And this recovery can be so beautiful, but it's an acceptance of the light and the dark pieces of our lives, you know, and death is a part of life. And when people tell you that early in grief, you want to smack them upside the head, Uh, you know, and just like, well, yeah, that's coming easy from you who took, you're tucking your children in at night, you know, uh, you know, and so I, I, with all due respect to what, you know, people who try and say things in an effort to help us, sometimes it's very hurtful to, but to go back to the Emerge Recovery that Cole Chance runs this program once a year, she's actually thinking about running it again, but it's a, it's a commitment. It is, uh, it is, you are involved, but you find your people again, you know, and I think I was the oldest one in the grist with my younger counterparts that seem to be like getting their on the road to recovery right now. Although I just lost my son two years ago. So, uh, so my, my real, you know, uh, huge problem with alcohol. Um, I mean, I've had little, you know, I've had little waves of, of alcohol abuse during my life, but when it really got me was when Judson died. Sure. So uh, back on, you know, back over yeah. in the lane of the one, two, three of um, grace community and moving the body. Uh, it's interesting how all three of those are also pieces of a successful recovery from alcohol or addiction or, you know, the, it, it, yeah. the, the pathway to wellness is, yeah. You know, it involves the the beautiful self care um, of one's body and soul, and mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves, eating correctly, uh, community, sleep. You know, just <laughs> all the things. All those things. Yeah. But they're also all the things that we don't want to hear, and we sometimes can't hear early in grief. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I was going to ask you, when do you think it kind of hit you that maybe you, the alcohol use wasn't being done, you know, that you were using that in a maladaptive kind of way? When do you, when did it hit Mm. you? Was there like a moment that you're like, oh, I really, this has really gotten a little bit too much that I don't have it under control anymore? Or what do you think? Or was it a slow realization? Well, okay, that's a really great question. It's it, it it was it built for a while because every morning that I woke up and tried to um, rethink my reality, <laughs> you know, yeah. I would wake up in the morning. It's like, right. oh, this really this really happened. Right. My son yep. really did die. Yep. 
does that. You wake up in the mm-hmm. morning and you all have this feeling like Andy's dead. Andy is dead. Mm-hmm. And like you just it just hits you again and again, like brand new every morning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I so every morning I would wake up and I was like, okay, I at the time I was 15, I was uh, just turned 59 when Judson died. And so in my brain, I was okay, I have a daughter, I have two grandchildren that are still walk, and then I have a son who soars, he's an angel. But I was like, really, this is my life. Like, this is my life. I I really am waking up in the morning and my son's no longer here. And there are going to be no more Christmases with him or birthdays with him or whatever. So as I was drinking every day, every morning uh, doing, you know, I had sold my home. I had spent almost all my money and was living off of it. I was making terrible choices a lot because I was in the depths of despair, but also because I was drinking. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I, you and Gwen said the other day, oh, very, you know, vulnerable and brave of Jamie to talk about this. Well, (laughs) it's the truth. And if I can help even one person, and I have helped more than one person, thank God. Uh, But, but the truth and the reality is we can, we can read about it until we're, you know, sick of reading, but to hear somebody's story, just seems that I have learned this in my groups that, um, yes, being vulnerable and putting your life out there for all the world to see is a little scary, but at the same time, hundreds of people have reached out to me for help. So yeah. that's neat. This is a very long answer to your question, but I, but so I went for months of waking up in the morning and every day was like, okay, well, this doesn't, this isn't helping, you know, this drinking isn't helping, but if there was a day, I will tell you, um, my, and I, I don't know if I shared this with you before. Um, it's hard because, you know, grief brain, we all know that um, memory is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things don't work. And I, I have had a couple like just complete psychic breaks, like meltdowns where I was just like, okay, I, I just detached and disconnected from my reality. Um, and I don't know how that sounds to people, but it, I think grieving moms might be able to relate. It's just <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it's like you're out of your body. You're out of this world. But when I moved from, when I quit my amazing job, moved to Idaho to be close to my daughter, I did all these huge things that you're not supposed to do um, in a major traumatic event, which I did. And I had given my knife set away to a friend. And when I got to Idaho, because I was, I wanted, I had so much of Judson's, my son's, um, so many of his items that it filled my, it, it filled the pod that I was moving. So I just gave things away, got rid of things. So I have this knife set. I was in Idaho and I had no knife. So I borrowed like one from my daughter or whatever. Um, but I, the day that I was like, okay, there's, I've got a real problem was um, when I was walking by, my daughter got me a brand new knife set for Christmas and I didn't want to be here anymore. I was like, I just, it would be so easy just to, you know, uh, put it in the right spot and push it in my heart or whatever. And the only thing that stopped me was thinking about my daughter having to clean up the mess. That's the only thing. It wasn't because I felt like I was worth, you know, sticking around or anything. It was just like, I, that was the moment, Marcy. So, and, um, I was just like, I, 
when I think about how close it came and the only thing keeping me was I didn't want my daughter to clean a mess. I mean, like, how can I re-traumatize her? She lost her brother. And that was, that was when I started looking for you, looking for, um, for Alex. I mean, I, I wasn't looking for you. I found you, you were the two that really yeah. resonated with me, you for grief and her for, uh, sobriety. And so, uh, that was the moment. And then it's like, and I, I didn't have insurance. And so I wasn't, um, getting therapy like I should have, but, uh, uh, listening to your podcast, listening to Alex and just getting myself in this, like, I know from being a fitness fanatic my entire life, I know the right things to do. I know I can do them, but it was baby, baby steps. It was sober curiosity. And I call myself sober serious now. I don't, I don't, I don't like labels or names. And that's another thing with trauma informed yoga and trauma informed healing is trying to not label ourselves and pathologize. It adds on another layer sometimes of stigma. And like we were talking about words being important and um, I'm kind of rambling here. So if you need to, (laughs) No, we're Thank good. You. I love, uh, that. love that. Thank you. Thank you. Because I do think labels are really not helpful so much of the time to mm-hmm. people. Now, yeah. then you're, well, not, you're not, I want you to be Jamie. I don't want you to be, yeah. you know, the label of you, of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also the, um, w- one of the big things I learned not only from Alex's sober yoga, but all, but really also with Cole. Her real name is Nicole, but she goes by Cole. Uh, but her Emerge program, where it's really steeped in in um, find being curious about your nervous system and the way it works, and she talks extensively about polyvagal theory, which I am just a I I love it. It's just so amazing to me. And if anyone wants to really geek out, like Google that. And then also she steeps her practice three methods in, um, in IFS, the internal family systems therapy with somatic healing, where you're using your body to work through the trauma, which uh, Bessel van der, van der Kolk, uh, van der Kolk, excuse me, who wrote The Body Keeps the Score. I mean, this book has been, I know people at home can't see it unless they're watching YouTube, but it's The Body Keeps the Score. And the subtitle is Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And this book just makes you go, oh, okay, I get it. It's the issues really Mm -hmm. are in the tissues. And every single mom who has lost a child has been traumatized. And so we have to... uh, well, listen to me, we have to, I, for me, for my healing, I had to, because I am curious and I like to know the answers to things and I don't like to accept yeah. things at face value and hear it from one person. I have to do my due diligence in, in, uh, looking for the, you know, reading and researching, and then I have to actually experience it. The experiential learning of, Yes, when I eat well, I feel well. When I sleep well, I feel well. When I dive into my healing, I have to get with my feelings. And ooh, it's why the yoga and the meditation helps you to calm the nervous system so that when these super strong feelings come up and take over and hijack our nervous system, we can kind of breathe and go, okay, I get it. This is what's happening. 
this is what's happening now. This is um, going on in my nervous system. I'm going to fight flight or freeze or fawn instead of the parasympathetic nervous system where I can breathe through it and go, okay, I'm going to calm down and think about or, or not think about or just go into my heart and, and start moving and see if all these like jagged edges can be smoothed out a little bit and come in for some good healing. And I know I'm just all over the place, but I, no, I, no, I, that's I'm just so beautiful absolutely. though. <laughs> thinking about that all together in that way. I mean, because what, what was the instinct before the instinct before was I'm feeling all, all of this. I'm feeling all of this. I need to stop. Right. And whether you stop by drinking, you know, a bunch of wine so you don't feel it anymore or, you know, me, you know, thinking I just need that extra ice cream or whatever, you know, you, you try to do these things or, or I just need to keep busy. I just need to go to work. I just need to do this. But all of those strategies are not helping to soften the edges, are they? They're pushing it away just to be, have to deal with on another day. It, it doesn't deal with it at all. None of those things softened the edges. That's why I love, that's the, how you put it, is doing help things for yourself that help soften it, that make things yes. a little bit easier. And none of those other Oof. coping strategies that we talked about that were kind of unhealthy, none of them soften the edges. No, and, and, and they add another layer of problematic, you know, you can't sleep. You probably will eat yeah. things that you're not supposed to. This is, I'm speaking to my own experience with alcohol abuse. Um, I can't, I shut down. I totally shut down and cannot talk to uh, my friends or family. I don't even want to hear what they have to say. I just want to binge alcohol, binge Netflix. It is not helpful. And no, it does not soften the edges. It adds more tough, hard edges and more layers of, yeah. of needing to <laughs> recover from that. And so, but it is, I want to be really, really, really clear here that it is not an easy path, but it is a doable beautiful path of, of what, what Cole would say, and she had many guest speakers who are highly qualified uh, individuals who would speak to polyvagal theory and IFS internal family systems and, and really talking about um, this, our, the way our nervous system works uh, and how we, we sort of segregate out and start blaming ourselves for so many things that are really not our fault. If we could just learn these mechanisms to not blame ourselves and go, Oh, me too. That's where your community comes in. Me too. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that happened to me. I feel that way too. Um, but what, what she really, really emphasized with this emerge program in polyvagal theory and everything is that there are so healing layers to the nervous system and really, really encouraged to be friending our nervous system. And that's why the other day when you and I were texting back and forth, Marcy, and you were having, I mean, you are a doctor, you run a, a very high stressful business, and then you come home and do your podcast and help others. I don't know how you do it all, but I was just saying, how much it helped me when 
my heart is about to jump into my throat and I say, okay, just breathe. And one of the best things to do is put your head below your knees and let your neck relax and let your head be heavy and let your neck relax because so many people will, they'll lean forward and they're holding their head up and I'm like, no, no, no. Yes. Yes. And that calms, that is a toning of the polyvagal nerve, which calms and tones the parasympathetic nervous system and toning just like uh, making the muscle, the muscles, the nerves stronger toning, just like you do a bicep curl, the more you do on a consistent, regular practice, the more you tone and the more we can tone and strengthen our vagus nerve. Again, it's the 10th cranial nerve. It innervates through our neck. It innervates all the way down into our organs. It's the most incredible nerve of all of our nerves. And I really encourage people to do a little research. It is fascinating. And I will have for people, um, I'm compiling a resource list that I will put also on my website because um, to give people just a, an easy click to go find out for themselves and maybe to, maybe to, you know, reach out to Cole or to Alex or, or find your people is what I'm saying. Right. You know, find your people and do your research. And it's not easy to do your research when you're in the depths of despair, which is why people like you and hopefully soon a person like me, who's still a baby at grieving, I can get to a point where I really can help more people. Um, because I know I still sound. Well, I think you already <laughs> I are. Still I know you already are place. because there were people writing in as we were doing our live stream that were so disappointed that you weren't there. And there was one woman that wrote in and saying she was part of um, your an angel circle with you. And now you have to uh, let me know what that is because I don't even. Okay. Uh, you've got to clarify yeah. that for us. Mm-mm. I shall. Yes, I. So. A couple of moms and I, well, okay. First of all, I met Erin through your podcast, Erin, uh, yoga with Erin B. She, mm-hmm. uh, she lost her daughter Dakota five years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then she and I had started go, you know, we, we zoomed a few times about our shared experiences and then another angel mom an angel mom that are those of us who have a child that is now soaring. Uh, the way that I like to, you know, um, say it. I have one child who walks and one who soars. Anyway, Robin is, um, she is just an incredible friend that I met through another friend uh, 25 years ago. And we kind of lost touch through the years. But when I started posting about losing Judson on Facebook, she reached out to me and said, I'm so sorry. And then I remembered, oh my gosh, that's right. She lost her son. JD to, um, he was uh, in the Iraq and he was killed in a very, um, secret mission yeah. that he was sent on in, on his day off, he volunteered. And so here she lost her son 16 years ago. So in talking with her and in talking with Aaron, I said, wouldn't it be neat if we have just a gathering um, once a week to help other moms because I'm a two year, we, we joked about I'm a two year toddler with my grief walk because I'm only two years in and Erin is five years in. So she's the five-year-old. She's a little down more down the road than me. And then, (laughs) uh, and then here we have Robin who's 16 years in her grief walk. And she 
is just every time Erin and I will open our mouth, she's like, oh, you guys, I, I remember when I was there. I remember. And so she's yeah. giving us these glimmers of hope that, oh, like really we might be able to <laughs> get out of this phase one day. Like that would be so yeah. neat, but honoring, you know, really honoring those moms who are just brand new to this and have no hope you know, they feel like, oh, this is the end. And like I felt a year ago, it was yeah. awful. So yeah, so we meet on Tuesday nights at 5.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time and all of the information's on my website, jamiesfitforlife.com. And um, I have, like I said, I'm working on a research. So now is it open to some other people too? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We, we just started it last night and it's very small and intimate and we uh, kind of like it that way. Right. And uh, if we have, we yeah. talked already about if, if it gets big, then we just separate out into more groups, but anyone who's lost a child is welcome or someone who wants to support a mother. Um, I, I just, I feel like it's more for mothers who've lost a child at this point. Um, but yeah. we also want to, um, educate the public more on, um, I mean, I know there's a lot out there, but <laughs> what, yeah. what not to say <laughs> Yeah, so many things. Um, yeah. So and I know we're probably closing in on time, so I don't want yeah. to um, take, you know, I don't want to overdo it here. So well, shut me down when you, when you need no, to. No, <laughs> I just think that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And I, it's, it's a great way. And I wish we could have done this all together with Gwen and had her involved yeah. and, done everything at once, but we ended up being a two-parter. So it worked out fine. Yeah. Anyway, if you hold of Jamie, her website, please, Jamie's fit for life. And, um, I know she'd love to hear from you. I would, I would. I love hearing from other moms. It's huge. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.